Season 2, a serial podcast about a man they would call Joe Millionaire, a rapist. A story of absolute perversion kneeling at the altar of the god oil, bathed in power, drugs, and slathered in sex. Thank you for listening to True Crime 49. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the bottom of the clouds. You cannot say to the river as it appears again from under the flat horizon of the horrible flood waters to help you measure it. You cannot ask of the river the width and the breadth of everything that it stole from you. Its winnings are already counted in the bloated dotted along the water. Welcome to True Crime 49. An indigo child, the sign of the archer. With her little bow, she will have an untamed heart, sacrificing all glory in flashing moments. And she will take great losses, catastrophic. But it's alright because... She will be standing in the floodwaters as they are retreating. It is a masculine sign that she must stand amongst, and it says that she is like a manifold of the life energy, directing endless doors in a flowing curve of power. She can appear terrible as it swings overhead, but you can see up into it clearly that it is made of love. This little girl will stand in exact judgment with pouty lips defiant, if you wrong a gentle heart, and she will move amongst the people like a compass needle moves through metal shavings. And she is loaded into the chamber like a joyriding bullet. Everyone is giving the thumbs up. There is so much energy, this new soul at rest only moments from going down into the earth to become flesh. The last moments in heaven you cannot touch her now. She is holy. And the balance is beginning to hum steady somehow in the crashing. And then she went down. Into the cold, into the drab. He was playing music up on the stage. And the flash across the bar surface was imperfect with years of glass bottoms buffed it to a soft luster. It will catch the face of the spirits as they are passing by unawares. You can almost see it there in the glaze distorted across the bar across his guitar in the pen lights. While they were distracted to plumage and ritual, and while they painted the faces and chased down the rumors, uncloaked, they came and had her all alone in the nest. The clouds retreating after the sequence, and they look down into the atmosphere. Where did she land, and will they hurt her? She took on great losses, right out of the gate. And there are times inside with the wood stove going, and the world is death cold, it's breathing an icy frost under the door at your feet, peering in at the corner of the icy windows. And she had nowhere to run to. And the wood stove is becoming hot in the tight room. And it was in his eyes that it, this was all a lie. And he is actually quite disgusting. And there is sweat 
and she had nowhere to run to. After the heavens wept, the little girl was still standing upon the gushing apron of the floodplains. The masculine snoring bloated in the sun of the wood stove. The little girl is standing with a wild look in her eye, the poor thing, and they never knew her, that she was a lot like a superhero, and she began to name the pieces in her mind of the things that she saw every day and how they moved and what they did. Down through the broken tree limbs fallen amongst the cavemen, and she is scratching sticks into flame in the shelter of the stones and she has found springs of water secret in the boulders. The cavemen would stumble in upon her frequently and she was helpless to them. The ape pig, dangling her by her small puppet strings, curiously he would look into her eyes, inches in front of his slimy tooth grinning, and she could see the moment as his eyes would go blank when he went inside his mind somewhere for a moment. She knew that when he returned, his eyes would become like a gallon-sacked goat, and he's sniffing you as if he's starving and his tongue is flicking for a taste of the air even, legs quivering in every advance. There was a scar that appeared on her hand suddenly that she'd never seen before. In his prolonged and frustrated grasp, the little puppet came to life one day and she turned her head back and looked at him, and he was startled. And right before he dashed her on the rocks, she made the noises that he had uttered when his eyes were closed. They had been breathed slurring into her hair. And then it was over. The clouds parted. The clouds parted and he was quiet there for a long time and puzzled and sheepish as he was leaving. He looked back at the last and then hobbled out into the daylight. The little girl was grinning and pulled back the edge to retrieve his little tool pouch that she'd slipped under the furs when she was making that noise that the lambs make when they get stuck and afraid. Her eyes are alight and the little girl is humming a song as she lays the chipped glass flake knives and the bone scrapers across the fur. She takes the little lint ball and the slick stone and scrapes the thing and the flint glows orange on her face and she's smiling as the tinder glows to life with a whiff of smoke. The next day she re-secreted the water springs within the boulders and took her little things and went out into the world. When she walked out of the Valley of the Bones, she was eleven. Bambi Tyree was born December 17, 1980. Her mom, dad, and siblings moved to Nome, Alaska when she was just two years old. By the age of twelve, Bambi's family moved to Wasilla, Alaska, where she would soon stop attending Wasilla Middle School. Detailed in books and newspaper articles are the same dates and facts for Bambi, a debaucherous road of being used for sex as a child and the subsequent crack addiction. What we know little about is the men who exploited Bambi and other vulnerable girls like her. 
While we can trace the criminal history of a child, we have virtually no information on the man who was Bambi's first pimp, or why she was with Joe Bohm before her 15th birthday. Rolling up at the club with three bitches in the back, like a jet boat, and it throws out a wake into the small marina of parked cars, work trucks, and family vans rocking in the big ripple. The Escalade rolls to a stop, the bass is muffled behind the black glass, and all the highs are muted out in the plush seats. A man is slumped over in the dark of his front seat, parked in the shadows. He freezes, his eyes wide looking around, and sneaks a look over his shoulder in between the shadows of the headrest. And his eye hole is opening, as all of the highs cut treble through the night, riding the strength of the bass will for all of those legs and heels come spilling out of the open door, heels reflecting pink in the glassy light reflection of the rain and the piss on the asphalt of the strip club parking lot. They are walking like special force commandos, the heels sounding lethal. The two girls shot a look into the back of the one as they agreed together in less than two pumps of their beautiful strides. The various ways that you can wrap and pouch crack cocaine and cellophane and clear plastic is rolled out like a handful of small dice in the Escalade on the way over here. Each girl grabbed the count and put their carry onto their person. The count of all those little dice was exact, perfectly divided by three. The girls didn't even look into the rearview mirror to the driver as they snatched up their count. They didn't need to. Clicking, they approached the corner of the building in the dimness like vampires. And when they broke through the plane of light into the bright entry and the people loitering around the front door, at that moment the one girl laughed with her head back and said something very shallow and calloused. The one was giggling, and the other one was looking in her purse, her wallet, or was it her phone? She stumbles, not watching the edge of the curb. You have to wait. Never grab her elbow before she trips. The eye is very fast. Crack cocaine causes changes in the brain and the nervous system. When an addict stops using crack, their body goes through a period of adjustment as it relearns how to function without the drug. Withdrawal symptoms can begin from 30 minutes to 72 hours after the last use. Cocaine withdrawal symptoms can include anxiety, erratic sleep, depression, irritability, poor concentration, paranoia, and cravings for cocaine. Research shows women may experience more intense symptoms due to their hormones. Physical symptoms of crack withdrawal typically last anywhere from one to three months although there is no exact time frame for how long symptoms will last. It is easy to see why some human traffickers use this drug to control young boys and girls. Only after years of recovery, the no longer addict can allow themselves to peer briefly into certain memories, them at their deepest, and only from so far away they can see and remember the glimmering-edged world made good reflected across the blue milky eyeballs of the part carcass, still strutting its legs and even the sneer of their scaly lips as they point out a curiosity amongst the good town folk, the people reviling back in tiny changes in their steps, or a mother's hand instant across the child's small breastplate, the zombie's eyes startled to the hand across the child 
touch of shame poofs up like swamp gas in the complexion of cirrhosis across their face. And in the eye lock, in the moment, they are realizing the days have finally come when they can no longer walk around in the daylight anymore. But they can snap out of it, the roadkill and the rottenness swifted away from the air in the room even. Her eyes are alight. She takes the little crack rock and the slick stone and scrapes the thing. And the flint glows orange on her face and she's smiling as the tinder glows to life with a whiff of smoke. Making the glimmering edged world made good again across the sparkle in her milky eyes. Tucked in her hand alongside the steering wheel a blue-green phone screen comes to life in a lit square. The number across the screen is the landline down in the jungle room at Joe Millionaire's house. The Pied Piper is stroking his fingers and holding his flute. Her eyes deadpan over the nuisance in the numbers. He would be sitting on the sofa, wearing only a blue silk robe. The screen goes black again, and the girl with the scar on her hand sees the three girls clearing the entry door and coming down the walkway. In the swagger and the sway of not having to peddle their asses for going on three days now. But that was the last of their precious little handfuls of dice. We know that many men exploited Bambi from a very young age. Unfortunately, she was being mentored by some of the most perverse men. According to Psychology Today, Traffickers constantly tell their victims they're worthless, insignificant, and forgotten. Victims are exposed to high levels of emotional distress induced by constant threats, fear, and psychological abuse. Bambi had a complicated relationship with Joe Millionaire Bohm, a man that had exploited her since she was young, but also provided one of the most reliable options. As she matured, she brought in young girls just like she had been brought in. Between 2001 and 2009, there were six prosecutions for sex trafficking, with a total of 105 victims. Forty were under the age of 18. Last week, she had run him down to a nub, equally pinching each time the mound of crack so it slowly disappeared a lot faster. She had him so far gone he couldn't even get it up. and she'd tossed all of his Viagra cartons a few days before. The old goat is flicking his tongue into the phone as the girls in the back already knowing a queasy feeling. They can feel their ankles opening to the back, the calves rotating barely observable, the instinct of the heifer. And he has a very specific way he wants things done. When they show up unexpectedly in about 20 minutes, He's going to have the tendency to go off the walls, about his suburban, his phone, waking up from the dead, missing handfuls of his shit that they'd been living off of for the last three days. The girl who was giggling when they broke the plane of light at the strip club entry, her face is drooping slowly as the story unfolds about the guy on the phone, that that was all of his shit they were balling on, and his suburban. They're going to hit him first with how he pulled and her phone into the hot tub 
when he'd said he wanted to add her to the mix. After the threesome half in and out of the tub, he told her to clear out of the house because there were associates coming over, and he'd given his phone to use until they could get a new one. He told them he had some work to do and give him three days or so and it would be nice, he said, if she brought him something special when they returned. So yeah, it's important that she stays out of sight. And when he starts in, he'll be going off about one thing. As soon as he goes to the second thing, maybe he jumps from the truck to the phone, or he jumps from the drugs to the money. That's when she comes into view. Nobody else look at her. She comes in like she's getting dropped off early in the morning, staying the weekend at Grandma's house. She closes the door quiet and looks around timidly, a slight blush at how nice of a house he has. She drops her shawl, and when she goes quick to grab it, her skirt in the back is too short and he will stammer at the sight of her panties. He's going to want to interrupt small talk with another girl coming over, with a rock for her to smoke and he'll be watching you from the couch the entire time. The other girl will come over and ask you if you like the movie that is pumping across the screen. Nod yes, of course. And be shocked with the first kiss. You and the other girl on the chair by the lamp. But don't play shy and afraid too much. The last few times they had done the schoolgirl routine, he was getting too rough. The other two girls had seemed to disappear at one of the impromptu stops along the way, and she's sitting up front now in the old man's suburban coming down off his drugs and pulling onto Ocean View Drive, soon to be sitting on his chair in the jungle room, and the other girl will have her open and undone, laboring away in fake gasps of disbelief, breathing and overcome in the ecstasy of the charade. And that's why I'll sneak away. He'll be watching you intently the entire time. The new girl is nodding as the driver lays it out, pulling in now and the lights in the angle across shadows in the cab. The new girl's stomach lurched as if roadkill and rottenness had filled the air in the cab as the lever clunked the park rocking the motor stopped. Just remember, it felt spooky as she turned her head and her eyes seemed half blue and milky, as swamp gas poofed in the cirrhosis of the complexion in her face. And she leaned in inches, sneered her scaly lips, and said, You don't want to end up like Ruby. January 2004, a federal grand jury indicted Joseph Bohm, Alan Bowling, Leslie Williams, and Bambi Tyree. Throughout the trial, it was noted that Joe Millionaire Bohm had had sex with at least eight children in exchange for shelter or drugs. Alan Leslie would sell cocaine, often overcharging Bohm, who would make and provide crack for Tyree and the children she would recruit. Bohm offered to buy multiple daughters from their mothers, as reported in court documents. Despite the homemade pornography, court testimony, and evidence, no one in the ring was found criminally guilty of sex trafficking. Instead, foul Al Bowling received 13 years and Bambi Tyree three and a half for conspiracy to distribute to persons under 21. Joseph Bohm received 10 years and four months for conspiracy to distribute to persons under 21 and conspiracy to commit the crime of sex trafficking of children. At 24 years old, Bambi Tyree would be at the end of a very ugly downward spiral that started early in her life 
Throughout her youth, there would be options, each one darker than the next. A drug-trafficking pimp, an old pervert with a god complex, or her own crack-fueled sex trafficking of other girls. Bambi is rifling through a few drawers. It's almost time to go. The new girl ain't new anymore. The worn-out schoolgirl porn flashing in the jungle room. The old man finally gave out, snoring, all but naked and strewn about. A strand of spider silk dragging in the fog pulls up a memory across her lap. Joe Bohm looking into her eyes as she smoked crack with them for the first time. She was thirteen, sitting on the couch. The first time he had sex with her, she was fourteen. Her eyes are alight, she takes the little crack rock and the slick stone and scrapes the thing. And the flint glows orange on her face and she's smiling as the tinder glows to life with a whiff of smoke. Making the glimmering edged world made good across the sparkle in her milky eyes. Tucked in her hand, the blue-green phone screen comes to life in a lit square. The number across the screen, Bill. When she was fifteen, an older girl had set it up to have the two of them rope in this old rich guy when he walks in and sees them on the bed together. The old guy watched for a second and then came slide skating across the floor, his legs through his pants as he was flicking away his belt quickly onto the bed. He'd taken the fifteen-year-old girl and the older girl felt a sting the older girl finding something to keep herself busy. But when the older girl walked in on them a few days later, she yelled at him and said she broke up with him. The fifteen-year-old, hearing the argument, laying naked on the bed. Bambi walks into the jungle room, the screen playing the DVD on loop. She wakes the fifteen-year-old girl who was sprawled on the couch cushions on the floor. A gasp of air, the young girl's eyes are wild, the poor thing. And the dimensions are opening like a crosswise accordion. Bambi is watching herself as the girl in the glow of the worn-out porno stops before stepping into the bathroom to clean up. And she was quiet there for a long time and puzzled and sheepish as she looked back to last and then hobbled out into the bathroom in the finished basement. Find us online at TC49 Podcast. See show notes for more information.